It's February 23rd. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. Hey, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Right Report, your daily news podcast. Today is a special brief, talking with my former CIA colleague, Buck Sexton. Over the next 40 minutes or so, we are going to cover domestic issues and threats like the collapsed southern border. And gosh, how do we solve that? We are also going to talk about Russia, China, and Buck's view of the greatest threat that America faces. And it is probably not what you would imagine. So, welcome to this Friday's special episode with Buck Sexton, a former CIA analyst and a co-host, by the way, of the national radio show Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. And by the way, he's also got his own podcast. It's called The Buck Sexton Show. Please do give that a listen. In the meantime, enjoy today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Right Report. Once again, we have the guy that I talked to you all about yesterday. I'm so very excited to have him here. Buck Sexton. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Buck Sexton. Thank you so much, brother, for being here. I'm, I'm grateful for you. My CIA brother from another mother. How are That's you, That's right. Sir? I love it. Man, I, I've just so enjoyed uh, and been so impressed by your career over these past number of years, inspired by what you're doing. So I, I'm excited to get into that towards the end of the episode today, a little bit about who you are, how you got into the agency, that journey and also the one that you're currently in, doing some pretty amazing stuff in the world of media. Before we get to that, in about uh, 30 minutes, give or take, let's dig into domestic issues, international issues, because you are a very smart guy, a former CIA analyst. You've done a lot of work uh, beyond that in, in terms of understanding domestic threats. So let's both put on our, our agency hats this morning, uh, and let's talk about uh, domestic threats. I've talked a lot about uh, various things to my audience. From your perspective, and this is going back, obviously, to your agency days, as well as interviewing a lot of incredible guests over the years, what do you think is, from a domestic threat perspective, what is the biggest one that you see? So, I mean, on, on the national security side, um, I would have to say the biggest challenge that we have is the uh, U.S.-Mexico border. Uh, I think that this is existential for the country because of all the things that it brings to bear. I know it's not a uh, an invasion in the sense of you know Russian or Soviet tanks you know coming across uh, you know r running from the East Coast through Omaha to, to L.A. Um, but in terms of what it means for the future of of the United States, I think that having a uh, a de facto open border, um, the destruction of the rule of law, the dissolution of the bonds that Americans of all different, uh, you know, backgrounds and religious persuasions, et cetera, have uh, are are being loosened by the fact that we're giving away uh, the, the ability to be in America to people who uh, have not earned it and, and have no right to be here. And we're doing it on a scale that has never been done before in the history of this country or really any country. Um, and I know that it's a little uh, cliche to start to compare America and the fall of this republic to the fall of ancient Rome, because Rome didn't really fall. It kind of deteriorated over the course of many centuries, right? I mean, people will talk about the uh, the final collapse in the fifth century, but it had been ha know, AD, but it had been happening for a long time before then. Um, but the dissolution of borders and the um, movement of people, what were then considered barbarians, you know, non-Romans, that played a very large role in it. And you can understand why, because 
uh, a country at some level is an idea, right? I mean, uh, yeah, it's it's the use of force to delineate borders and to have customs, laws, and ideas flourish under force of arms, of course, within those borders. And once that all starts to go, what do you really have? I mean, America is turning into uh, the world's soup kitchen and some kind of a vague economic zone, and it's happening at breakneck pace. And so I find that very, very troubling. I mean, I know the other, you know, we could sit and talk about jihadis, we can talk about Putin, we can talk about China, Taiwan, and we probably will and all those things. But to me, the most uh, major challenge for the United States is, is that right now on the national security side is the border because it goes to the uh, collapse of America from the inside out and the dissolution of this country. And I think if we do lose this republic, it will come that way, not from force of arms. You know, we got enough guns here that would be really tough for anyone to invade. Yeah. Well, let's, let's put numbers to that. We know that last year, 3.8 million came across the border since Biden became president, 7.2. If you look at some estimates back in 2018 or so, we're talking about 22 million at that point. So all in, you are around 30 plus million uh, illegal migrants who were unvetted and uninvited, I think, which is both of your points. Uh, first of all, Un, uh, invited means that they're breaking the rule of law to get here. The uninvited um, or unvetted is, is uh, certainly the cultural piece as well. Um, of this number that we're looking at, 30 plus million, 37,000 last year are from China. So thinking about this from a national security perspective, we're going to hop into the cultural piece in a second. But just from a national security perspective, when you're not vetting these people, uh, can you talk about what you have seen in your experiences uh of what that ends up happening in a country where you're not vetting that 30 million people when they come in. How does that affect a nation's security, internal security? Well, I think that we will eventually wake up to the recognition that, um, you know, the, the Soviet pilfering of American secrets during the Cold War. I mean, this is one of the reasons why I was so just disgusted by the uh, Oppenheimer movie um, which did have a good middle section where they were showing the uh, the actual testing of the first uh, you know nuclear device, but the whole movie is kind of cloaked in this oh the red scare and so worried about people who they're having sex with and are they penetrated pardon the expression by you know Soviet agents or whatever and yeah. the answer is yes they they were the answer is they stole our nuclear secrets that actually happened from Los Alamos. So to make a movie, you know, th this is one of the great um, historical uh, inaccuracies or, or lies, really, that I think even people who are very well educated, they'll throw they'll, they'll talk about McCarthyism and I'll say, well, you know, that McCarthy was was mostly right. Right. I mean, you know that there were a lot of communist penetration and they say, well, how do you know that? Well, we know that because of Project Venona and the decrypted cables, which didn't come out, I think, to the late 80s, early 90s that showed the extent of hundreds of penetrations of the United States government. Okay, why am I talking about that in China? I mean, I'll get to this in a second. Yeah. Um, or I'll, I'm gonna connect these things, obviously, but they stole a lot more from us in terms of sensitive, I mean, nuclear secrets. I mean, that's pretty high up, especially when you think that you're in a cold war where a nuclear exchange could happen. Um, but they also stole commercial secrets and uh, all kinds of military and and, and uh, intelligence, te intelligence and technology stuff. What China is doing both on cyber today now, right? So fast forward to today, what China is doing on cyber uh, with all the different hacking and what China is doing with 
you know, the Confucius Institutes and all these things that it puts out there that are establishing cultural coercion through the dollar, not through ideology. It's a different approach with the Chinese than it was with the, with the communists uh, of the Soviet Union. Um, I think in terms of the sensitivity and the civilization changing nature of that information dwarfs what the Soviets were able to accomplish. Mm. And that's a really frightening thing um, because you know, we, we aren't ahead of all these other countries because we like to think it's because of you know, our freedom and our ingenuity. And yeah, but ultimately it's our, it's our information, it's our brain power, it's our technology, right? Why, why would we comfortably win wars against so many states if we had to? Although right now our stockpiles are depleted, we're giving all of our munitions to Ukraine. There's a whole other conversation in that. Yeah. Um, but it's because we've got better gizmos, better tech, better logistics, better everything. But it's not because we're inherently stronger or better warriors or whatever, right? I mean, I'd like to think we are, but, um, and losing that advantage over a period of decades, perhaps even over a period of 50 or 60 years, the problem with that is when you realize that's happened, it's too late. And I worry that we're going to see that, uh, you know, a, a dominant China, if it emerges, will be largely because of this massive transfer of, through theft, of U.S. technology, uh, trade secrets, everything that makes us the uh, dominant economic force and military force we are today. If you lose your innovation, if I'm hearing you right, then you lose your edge in the world global stage, well, the competition for, for who wins. It's not just even losing your, I mean, it, it's it's that they can just keep stealing whatever innovation you have, then they're right. at parity, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, if, if, if you're really good at math, but I can just look at your test when the teacher's not not paying attention and copy your answers. We get the same right. grade, my friend, right? I mean, it's a little yeah. bit like that with some of this tech. You know, we can work and work and spend billions and billions of dollars in R&D, and we do in a whole range of, of factors and ways. Yeah. If the Chinese can just get the fruits of that, which they do, um, either some of it is just through good old-fashioned, you know, economic espionage, reverse engineering. Right. Um, some of it is through uh, cyber hacking. Um, and I think the scale of the cyber hacking is so far beyond what anybody uh, in America really thinks is possible because look, let's, I mean, I, I put myself in this category too. You know, if, if my TV freezes, I'm like, oh God, who do I call? Right. How many people really understand what a fire, how a firewall functions Yeah. or what a, you know, direct denial of service attack really is and how that works. Very few. Yeah. Well, let me ask you, how do you stop this? Because the, the China threat is so existential and it is so overwhelming what is the solution uh, to removing the folks who are here, if some of them, if we are to assume, are spies or saboteurs? Or how do you deal with the China threat domestically? For, forget the stuff that uh, what we can talk about later about what they're doing to us abroad, but just inside of the United States, how do you remove this threat? I think we have to um, mirror all aggressive, uh, predatory Chinese policies back to them. So, um, and the, the problem with this and taking a step back for a second, is the Soviets relied on fellow travelers and, you know, whether it was the Cambridge Five or, um, or uh, Alger Hiss or, you know, you go through, these are people that believe that a communist utopia had been achieved, which of course is delusion number one, and that could be achieved here in America, which is delusion number two. But it relied yeah. on that ideological component. The Chinese are saying, hey, just let us do a little bit of this just let us do a little bit of that in your country. We will make you rich, Disney. We will make you rich, Nike. 
Apple, right? You start to think of some mm-hmm. of these companies or richer perhaps. Um, and, and who that trickles down to, they have bought off our ruling class. They've bought off the elites in America for decades. And this isn't some new idea that I have. I think everyone's recognized this for, for certainly the last decade or so. And I think Trump played a, a major role in this by waking people up to the fact that we were already in a trade war. We were just in a one-way trade war, right? China waging trade war against us and us saying trade wars lead to real wars. I don't, you know, just sort of taking it, suffering in silence. Um, So I think that that's changed. And the whole point of uh, letting China into the WTO and, and the normalization of relations and going all the way back to Nixon and then was... Yeah, they're they're a communist peasant agrarian country with a whole lot of people. If we make them rich, they'll become more liberal, and that was the the whole thing turned on that, right? We're we're going to yeah. help. They're going to make. They're going to manufacture our cheap stuff. We're going to get richer. They're going to buy our debt. They're going to get richer. They're going to be more like us. That didn't happen. They got richer and they didn't become more like us. In fact, if right. anything, I think they become much more bellicose toward the United States. I even saw this. You know, I was in uh, Beijing and Shanghai. Uh, in 2019, before the pandemic. And, you know, they, they told us there, I mean, we had some minders, of course, and I went in, you know, I went in clean, no, no electronics, or whatever, because, you know, you know, it's yeah. anything you, you bring in, they're, they're going to be Maybe. peeping yeah. into and yeah. they're going to have leave behinds on it. And the whole thing's a mess. Um, yeah. So for our folks at home, uh, don't bring your smartphone to China. And good spy for real, tip. like, awesome. it's not a paranoid thing. Like, don't do it. Um, yes. Uh, I showed up with nothing electronic. I rented a phone there and assumed that everything I did and uh, was being, you know, monitored or or uh, or recorded the whole time. Um, sort of like a sort of like a hellish customer service experience, except it's the Chinese Domestic Intelligence Agency instead of you know uh, someone talking to you about returning a pair of shoes. Anyway, yeah. Um, so I, I think that uh, we've cha- we've understood that that failed. That the policy of make them rich and they'll be more liberal um, that didn't work. And it was a huge error, but our elites made a lot of money from it too. So they're not particularly invested in admitting the, when I say elites, I mean, it's pretty straightforward. Republicans, Democrats, people for whom global uh, corporatism and offshoring have been incredibly profitable. And so you ask, what do we do about this? Um, I got some wild ideas, by the way, about, you know, what we can do like overseas, if you want to get into that. uh, Oh, we're going to have our sphere. Yes, sir. Oh, I get it. I get I get wild with that stuff. I mean, I'm, (laughs) you know. Uh, but, uh, people are going to be like, that kid's nuts. Um, <laughs> oh, trust but, me. They've heard it from me. You're good, bro. Yeah. But, <laughs> uh, what I could say about, we need to, to, um, mirror back everything, everything that they do that annoys us. We need to do them in yeah. terms of business, you know, in terms of visas, in terms of business, in terms of we have to do that. And then what that will do naturally, I think is force them either to, um, weaken in some of it, the, which they won't do. I don't believe. Uh, or just naturally decouple from them over time I and mean, effectively yeah. create real separation from them. Um, and, and I think that that's where we need to go because I think that we're fundamentally incompatible systems. And, and, I, and I know people don't want to think in those terms because it'd be nice to believe that, you know, because they like uh, Big Macs and, you know, NBA basketball, that the their Chinese governmental us, yeah. system is not, a, is not a kleptocracy of about a thousand yeah. people that make all the determinations for a billion people, but they do. And it's uh, it's bad, bad situation over there with that. So, so yeah, I think I think the decoupling come down on them hard and decouple and, uh, you know, bring a lot more jobs and a lot more uh, industry and make it domestic. Things will cost more, but it will be more secure. You bet. So this idea of decoupling economically, I think that there, there's a very strong case to be made about uh, reorienting our trade relations, whether that be through tariffs, 
changing the USMCA, our relationship with Canada and Mexico, where, of course, a lot of Chinese companies are now going and they are trying to get around the tariffs by cheating. Let's talk, though, about the decoupling of removing humans from the United States. So we talked about this 30 million illegal migrants, tens of thousands more each day coming from China, tens of thousands more from uh, other places. How do we do you agree that that is an important solution, um, knowing how disruptive that can be if you're looking at 30 plus million people? Do you think it is to that point from a national security perspective, economic perspective, all of those people from around the world? Is that really what we have to do? Upwards of 30 million folks got to go? Uh, you, you mean just not Chinese specifically, just people who are here illegally in general? That's right. Um, so combining the, these two issues, we, we clearly have the Chinese and that threat. There's that 2017 national intel law that the Chinese government says, if you're abroad, you have to do what we say. And we have these foreign police stations and the mafia to crack down on you if you don't. But that's just the Chinese. You, of course, have tens of millions, upwards of 30 million other people from around the world who, to your point, uh, aren't necessarily here to be part of the American family. They're here because of money or jobs yeah. and they have no loyalty to the country, no embrace of the Constitution. There are, there are no affinities, religious or language uh, and so forth. So is the solution then with both the Chinese and the, the 30 plus million others, is it really a mass deportation? Like I know Donald Trump has talked a lot about that. Is is that the solution or a solution? Yeah, I would say um, if if I were king of the world, which would be amazing for the world, by the way, or maybe just king of America. <laughs> king Buck. But, um, you know, we'd have we'd have no nonsense Great yeah. food and great hair. That would be Bucks, you know, yes. Bucks America. I'll be your jester. Um, you know what I mean? And yeah. uh, But if, if I could just sort of lay out what would happen, I think you need to have tranches of mass deportation. Um, and I think you need to start with people who, I mean, the easiest, and, and now this is taking into account, you know, some degree of political reality. What I'm saying I don't think is going to happen because Republicans are unwilling to do what is necessary here. But uh, as well as Democrats, obviously, Democrats are open borders. They just can't tell the American people that because the American people, by solid, you know, majority, by super majority, aren't with them on that. So they have to yeah. lie and play these games about like, oh, we want a secure border too. It's all bull crap. Do we yeah. curse in this podcast? By the way, I always like, to Yo, know, like can we, I... we can edit it out if it's too too. Oh, okay, hey, well, it's I, intel, I, I never Come curse, on. so I just think it's funny because like even when I do Megyn Kelly's podcast, sometimes she'll let something fly. I'm like, whoa, whoa. I didn't know we're yeah. allowed to curse. So that's just like, <laughs> um. Anyway, I yeah, no, I, I keep it clean. Family show. There you so, go. um, where was I a second ago though? Now I just threw myself off the, uh, I threw myself off the Island. What were we talking no, about? We were talking about deportation and oh, and deportations. We, we... Oh, whoa, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, this is exciting for me. Um, so deportations, uh, I think you need to take everybody who came here recently, basically all the asylum fakers, which is 95% of the people who have come claiming asylum, they go like, that's yeah. just, that's table stakes. They all go back to their country of origin. And, and I know that people might say, oh, well, that's let's call it six million of the seven million or, you know, six million plus of the seven million have already come in uh, under Biden. I would say, well, that if you want the next 10 million to stop coming over the next four or five years, right. you have to send back the six million that just got here. Sure. Um, you know, so, so to me, that that sends a particularly clear message of changing the calculation, changing the incentive structure. And That's I've even talked it. to Border yeah. Patrol people about this and Immigration and Customs Enforcement. So they got to go. Um, I mean, if you really have a credible fear and you're a true asylum seeker, all right, you know, explain that to a judge. And if it's something beyond just, uh, you know, making up a story that, you know, sometimes they actually read it. I don't know if you know this. They read it off a piece of paper that the cartels will give them. Yes. That, that's happened. That's how the credible fear test. So they say, you know, I have a fear of violence right. in my country. And you're like, what? 
you know, and they say it in whatever Immigrant they're, you know, groups, native, as well as the cartels. Th th it's a billion dollar business. Yeah. They, they yeah, know how to cook the books to get books in. Um, and, and, and so, uh, yeah, I, I think that you, you know, you send the first, send the first 5 million home and you don't have to worry about the next 10 million for a little mm. while, which that helps a lot. Um, and then I, and then I think you get ready for the next tranche and the next tranche, uh, would be, you know, uh, you know, people who have more all, again, recently come here, um, illegally. I mean, anyone in my mind who's committed, uh, who's committed any crime gone, like drunk driving gone, like anybody who's been any kind of a, uh, a risk in that way. And honestly, anyone who's a public charge, mm. because that's actually in the immigration law. People that's don't right. know this yeah. because no one pays attention. No one, including our own Congress pays attention to immigration law. You are not allowed to be a public charge, effectively a welfare case or, you know, a welfare dependent um, as an, as a, and that's as a legal immigrant to the United States. That's right. So, so, you know, never mind. The, said now illegal immigrants aren't even supposed to get welfare, but of course. every uh, month in a, in a, in a cord. Yeah. Uh, to, of course to, they do though, right? Sure. I mean, they're not even supposed to get anything, but they're getting all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, let's call it, you know, you take the next, uh, the next five or 10 million. Um, and, and, you know, this would take years and I recognize that, but. Yeah. This is how you do it. Um, and, and in that process, you'll actually be able to gain control of the southern border because you're going to be have far fewer people coming. You're going to turn away the people that are coming and trying the asylum claim nonsense. That's all bullcrap. Yeah. Um, and, and everyone, I mean, you said people from China, no one from China is going to pay for a flight to Mexico or somewhere in South America or Central America and make their way up and come into America illegally if they think there's a really good chance they're going to get sent home, right? Right. So the reason they're doing it is because they know the chance they're going to get to stay is 95%. Right, right. So you got to change that. If you don't change that, then everything, you know, everything else is effectively moot. So we've got a lot of, of incentive structures, if I'm hearing you, in this country that uh, attract people. We have a lack of uh, implementation of existing laws and orders. The, the easy solutions are gone. Uh, trying to fix this is going to take many years. And that means that we got to Buckle down and get ready uh, to do some intense stuff domestically. What I want to do is I want to talk about what you said about this international stuff, the, the dark and dirty stuff that we might do to the Chinese or some of our adversaries abroad. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to dive into this, put our, uh, our spy heads together and see what we can come up with. We'll be right back, folks. If you haven't gone to JaceMedical.com, boy, it is time. In this unpredictable era in which we live, folks, Jace Medical provides life-saving prescription medications, including antibiotics, plus medicines for things like blood pressure, cholesterol, and diabetes. And here's why that is so very important. You can put these medications either on your shelves for daily use or in cases of emergencies. And Jace Medical makes it so easy to do. Here's how. Go to jacemedical.com. Again, that is J-A-S-E medical.com. You fill out a very simple online form, and in no time flat, you will get those medications delivered right to your door. In a few cases, you have a quick phone call with one of their board-certified physicians to make sure you're getting exactly what you need. But regardless, it is a major time saver and a lifesaver if maybe you live in the back 40 or if our supply chains from places like China and India were to get interrupted again in this very unsettled world of ours. But no matter your motivation, go to jacemedical.com. Again, that is J-A-S-E medical.com and enter promo code right at checkout and you will get a great discount on your order. Again, folks, that is promo code right, W-R-I-G-H-T at jacemedical.com. And do this today because there is no telling what tomorrow might bring. 
Folks, back on January 9th, we talked about the big fight with Russia and how that could badly affect the U.S. dollar and you. Well, if you're looking for ways to diversify your investments, boy, consider physical gold and silver and consider American Hartford Gold as you do. They are the precious metal dealer that I use and trust. And when you give them a call, they will explain how to protect not only your savings accounts, but also your retirement accounts, all by purchasing gold and silver. Plus, they will explain their buyback commitment, which is rock solid. And here's some more good news. Feel very comfortable using American Heart for Gold as they have a five-star rating from thousands of reviews, plus an A-plus ranking from the Better Business Bureau. So here's how you do it. Either give them a call at 866-353-2694. Again, that is 866-353-2694. Or you can just text them. Text right to 65532. And gosh, that's easy. Again, 65532. And just text them my last name. And when you do, listen to this. They will give you up to $5,000 of free silver on your very first order, depending on your total purchase. So again, Either give them a call at 866-353-2694 or text my last name right to 65532. And as you do, my friends, make sure that you remember that January brief about the currency wars, because that is why we want to consider physical gold, my friends, and silver with American Hartford Gold. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We are, of course, here with Buck Sexton talking about now what we are going to do abroad, some dark and dirty deeds to the enemies that this country faces. So earlier in the show, you mentioned that there are some fun operations that you have in your mind. Let's get to them. Let's talk about First China. What should we do to that threat abroad? Okay, well, I mean, I wasn't even thinking about uh, cute and clever. I was thinking about risking World War III and driving the national security establishment insane. Um, and But here, here's my my basic uh, sense of, of what we need to do with China. We don't really worry about, about uh, India or Pakistan because, let's be honest, they stare at each other with, you know, a vast majority of their military force looking at each other across the border, like right aligned against the border there. Their nukes are pointed at each other and they're in this God knows how long it's going to last uh, standoff, essentially, right? Um, my my sense for how to deal with China, and I think this gives China nightmares, it's tied into why they're so touchy about Taiwan, although there's a lot of reasons why they're so touchy about Taiwan, right? Uh, but what, uh, from a strategic from a strategic point of view, um, I think that the uh, the literal uh, the literal nations, right? Uh, what is it? L I T E T O R. Yeah, right. I'm with you. There you go. That kind of literal. Um, yeah. The the island chain nations. Um, I think that they just have to become our buffer and our containment uh, system, if you will, for Chinese um, aggression and, and you know, territorial ambition and uh, really projection of power, especially when you're talking about, you know, blue water, uh, blue water uh, ocean stuff. Yeah. So, um, well, I mean, my, my sense is, and, and maybe this is crazy, but I just feel like we need to shake things up a little bit. Uh, I would probably um, put nukes in, a, or rather just tell 
put nukes in. Japan could create nukes in a heartbeat. I mean, they've got plenty of technology they can do it. I tell Japan go nuclear, um, you know, and 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 you know get ready to defend yourself if you need to. Um, and I'd give Taiwan whatever they want, and I would really encourage a, a you know a mutual defense treaty between. Uh, and I don't even know what exists between the all the different countries in the region now, but I would want basically Vietnam, Japan, South Korea, Taiwan, the Philippines to all just say, you know, we got our own version of NATO now. That's what mm -hmm. I would, meaning, you know, that's how they try to box in China and say an attack on one is an attack on all, give Japan nukes, and uh, and that would be how I would handle it. Now, that would upset the apple cart a lot and people might think I'm insane, but if we don't do that, you know, what we have every year people go, is this, is this going to be the year that they invade Taiwan? Right. And I don't even think they're really, I think the invasion of Taiwan point, an amphibious invasion, as you and I know, Brian, you're sitting ducks, right? I mean, you know, the Taiwanese have pretty advanced technology, I'm very advanced technology, if you're just thinking in the general sense, right? It's where all of our yeah. semiconductors come from. Um, but, uh, you know, you're, you're going to try to land tens of thousands of guys on amphibious troop transports, even with, you know, air cover and the things that they would try to do, it's going to be, it would be a total mess. I think what they would do is they would just try to pummel the island into submission, uh, just hit them with, with missile strikes, with airstrikes, and basically just say, you know, do you give up yet? So I don't think they'd go with a full-scale amphibious invasion. You, you, you see what I mean? Like, I don't think they're going to just land, you know, half a million Chinese soldiers on Taiwan and say, this is ours now. They're just going to keep on hitting it, creating casualties, hitting it, destroying infrastructure. Um, over a period of time, that would be the the way that they might try to do that to do a you know a strike on Taiwan. In my mind, I do wonder um, though. I mean, President Xi and I think most of the the senior CCP leadership, they desperately want that island back. So, what is a half a million or a million dead and trying to invade the island? You know, fr from their calculus, is is the cannon fodder worth it? Um, well, I mean, I, you know, that all depends on if you think that gets the job done. But I I right, think right. that their their ability to even if they were willing to take, like, this is what I said about Russia. And I said this on the radio, so I'm on the record, you know, very early on in that conflict, I said, everyone's underestimating the willingness of the Russians to fight forever and lose endless amounts of people. They just that's don't right. care. Like, that's, that's right. just, it's almost in the national character. I mean, I don't mean to like be smart Russians, but it's just a sense of like, we'll keep fighting. It's they will just keep fighting. Your... Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. And that, and that has been proven true. And also I said, by the end of this thing, we're not going to be looking at billions spent. We're going to be looking at closer to a trillion dollars of U.S. of U.S. You know, I know right now it's only about 200 billion, but it's not stopping anytime soon. Another 60 billion about to get thrown in the mix. So, Buck, so um, let's I just bring this... to, you, you bring up a really great point. So we're talking about this focus on China and what we would do with uh, the Japanese or the Philippine Islands or what it, it might be in, in that part of the world. Is that our greatest external threat? And if so, how do you come, you look at this, uh, looking at other threats in the world, specifically Ukraine and Russia, because uh, tomorrow is the two-year anniversary. So as you are, if you are president, again, King Buck, and we are looking at how do we use finite resources and deploy those in different parts of the world? How do you prioritize this? Is China really the number one threat and, and thus should get our greatest number of resources? Or, you know, do, do, you, do you pull out or pull away from places like the Middle East or from Europe and this Ukraine war and, and focus there? Yeah. I mean, a full-scale full war in the 21st century is is going to be, it's just a contest of resources and technology, right? I mean, this is, this isn't like, we, you know, this isn't ancient Sparta. We have the best trained phalanx, so like we can take on anybody, right? I mean, it's right. really going to come down to those two issues. Um, and 
I mean, you're effectively seeing that with Russia, Ukraine, by the way, which is it's just a, it's a it's a war of attrition, which is what it, it that's what it turned into because there's enough parity in the technology side, and you know we've obviously substantially upped the ability of the Ukrainians to use tech and and the, the weapons they have, and this is why our stockpiles are dwindling because we're giving them right. the Ukrainians to fight with. Um, I mean, the the only country that I think poses a direct force on force military challenge to the United States is China. And so, you know, you want to be uh, prepared for that. I mean, I, for example, look, I, I'm not like a Pentagon budget nerd, but far from it. Um, and I meant that like, in a, you know, I kind of wish I was because you know, right. those guys have some <laughs> right. sense of what's really, you know, you want to understand the military, understand the budgeting and the logistics process. It'll tell yeah. you a lot more than, you know, whatever commercials they're throwing on TV. Um, but, you know, we got rid of the, we got rid of the F-22 fighter program. And to me, I mean, everyone that I've ever seen who knows fifth generation fighters uh, will say that that's the best air to air, um, mm -hmm. air to air platform that has ever been created in the history of the world. And we're not even we're so we're saying we're not going to do that. We're going to do what the F-35, right? The, uh, the, right, uh, right. you know, the joint joint strike fighter, whatever it is. And, and to me, I, I think that it's really hard to argue for the sustained preparation for a war with something as as menacing and massive as China when we have $34 trillion budget deficit. So that really worries me. I mean, I, by the, I could have given you the biggest challenge we face, but it's not, an, it's, it's a national security challenge, but not in the sense of, you know, guns and bombs. So I think people don't, and I think the debt is the single, um, Amen. most, most, a, uh, you know, how do I, inescapable, right? The problem right. is inescapable. There are things we can do here and there at the border that might be able to keep the, you know, this, the, and the border might might dissolve the country if it's allowed to continue. It might take 50, it might take 100 years. Mm -hmm. um, the debt to me, I mean, in 10 or 15 years, with the way it's going, people are going to realize like we're, we're, we're robbing from Peter to pay Paul. Like we're, we're just crowding out private investment. And the dissolution, you want to know how China really beats us. I remember I said it's resources and, and technology and financial might. Yeah. That's how a war between great powers would be, uh, you know, would, would end up being resolved one way or the other in the 21st century. And if the dollar collapses, which sounds crazy right now, but if the dollar were to collapse, uh, we would be, now China would take big hits on that too. They own trillions of dollars of our debt. I get all that, sure. but you know, in a fight between two tigers, you know, one goes away wounded and one goes away mortally wounded. Right. Like the one that isn't mortally wounded wins. You know what I'm saying? Like it can be- Hey man, look, yesterday on the podcast, we talked about uh, $34 trillion in debt more interest payments this year uh, than the DOD's budget. We're looking at a massive, massive challenge economically. And I think the, the Penn Wharton budget model said in about 15 or so years, the country is looking at insolvency. So you're, you're not wrong to say that this issue is so important, but you're right. It's, um, it is a national security threat. It's a domestic threat that, that we're not honest about. We're not facing. It's become political. We've gotten very I think used to this old idea that we can just spend and spend and spend because we are the world's reserve currency. Uh, listeners, you all recall back in January, we discussed this. So you, you don't fix the, the debt issue, then you don't fix the country or, or you have less flexibility to fix a lot of other issues domestically and abroad. So I'm, I'm with you. Amen. Yeah. And, 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 you know, everything really stems, I mean, all of our power uh, as, a, as a country stems from the economic engine that we have. And as a nation that doesn't produce as much of finished product. Now, look, we are the world's energy superpower, uh, true energy superpower, which I don't think people really focus on enough on. And by the way, we should, I mean, we should hit that pedal to the metal yes. you know, with everything we've got. Um, I Make think the that, Middle East uh, a little know, less relevant. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the the more that we can churn, you know, the more we can drill, baby, drill, the better for us, the better for the world in so many ways. Um, you know, the climate change lunacy is really just some Malthusian death wish. That's a whole other conversation for another time. Happy to come back and talk to you about that. Yes. Um, you know, worshiping a, a, a 16 year old who's like sailing around the world, Greta Thunberg, or she's I guess, oh, 19 Greta. now or 20 or something, Bless but yeah. you know, yelling, yelling at like, uh, at the, the Davos set about how they need to take fewer private jet trips. It, the whole thing is some absurd religion, but, um, yeah. back to, uh, back to the, the, the debt issue. Um, you know, if anyone really wants to be concerned, uh, you know, it's funny. I had a listener call in 2019, true story. And they said, what really, what really like frightens you? And I said, what frightens me is, uh, the prospect of, uh, so remember this is pre pandemic. I said, what yeah. frightens me is the prospect of like something like, uh, true, uh, antibiotic resistance that creates like a really dangerous super bug that we really can't stop. And that has a high mortality. Cause you would have civilization crumble. Everyone doesn't have to die from it. You still would have civilizational collapse. That's right. I mean, 30, if you have a 30% fatality rate of something that's as, as contagious as COVID, I mean, even far less than that probably, but the whole civilization would collapse. You wouldn't be able to, you know, nothing would work. Um, I said that. And then of course, later I felt really weird about having said that because of COVID right. it turned out COVID was like, it's a, a CIA point. program. You, you were yeah. aware of, you were read into something, right? You were just letting I mean, us all I know can beforehand. neither confirm nor deny anything you're saying <laughs> that. But I'll, I'll tell uh, you what, what, what concerns me now or what, what, you know, what does keep me up at night a little bit or makes me think about things in a different way is uh, if you look at the history of nations with true fiat currency, yeah. they're batting a thousand. I mean, they have a 100% success rate of destroying their currency Amen. and having it be effectively worked. Amen. Just you look at it over time because the problem is the, the corrective mechanisms that we have um, are all overridden by, it just turns into a short, short-term versus long-term interest game. And in politics, especially in representative, you know, a, a democracy, a republic, whatever, in a representative system, the person who says, eat as much chocolate cake as you want, you will not get fat, and it will never run out, right now is always going to beat the person who says, no, no, save it. Right. Let's see where we are in six months. Let's weigh yourself. And then maybe we can start to have a little bit of chocolate right. cake then. The former always beats the latter because of, of human nature and because of the lizard brain that we all have in the amygdala, you know, fight or flight, the things that kind of yeah. are take us to our basest humanity. We want it now. We don't want to wait. We don't want to be responsible. And that's just the truth. It's the truth about the American people. No one likes to hear it, but it is the truth. Well, speaking of truth, one of the things- Was that, was that depressing enough for you, by the way? Was that I love enough it. Of, a, of a downer? Sorry. <laughs> No, one of the things you, you're, you're, what you're doing is you're dropping some truth uh, bombs, brother. And one of the things that you and I both know, having walked into the old uh, headquarters building back in the day at the CIA, they talk about the truth setting you free. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to talk about the CIA, our experiences there. I want to know about uh, your, your time, and uh, we're going to get into that. So we'll be right back, folks. I am two months into eating Super Beats Heart Chews, and I am fired up to tell y'all, I feel it. This stuff works for me. It gives me a shot of energy, plus performance and endurance. And that heart-healthy energy is exactly what I was looking for. Best yet, if you pair Super Beats with a healthy lifestyle, the antioxidants in these little chews are clinically shown to be nearly two times more effective at promoting normal blood pressure than a healthy lifestyle alone. And it's so easy to use this product. Just two little tasty chews in the morning and you're set. No pills to swallow, no ingredients to mix. So do what I did. Go to getsuperbeats.com. That is B-E-E-T-S.com. 
and use promo code right and you will get a 30-day supply of super beats heart chews for free and 15 percent off your order that is a ridiculous deal for heart healthy energy but i love it so go to getsuperbeats.com and use promo code right and get that heart healthy energy you need and support that healthy blood pressure too you will be so glad you did who's ready for a good night's sleep well if that's you you need to do what i did get yourself a ghost bed yeah it's the company that i think makes the finest mattresses in all of america and you know it's true because i own one i have the lux model which is designed to help people like me who sleep just a little bit hot but they've got other models as well there is the classic plus a new massage bed and that's fun except for the people who live downstairs but whatever your model get one of these things the mattresses from the folks at ghost bed are built with high quality materials and fine craftsmanship and when you get into one of these ghost beds you feel both the material the craftsmanship and i tell you here's some great news this bed comes right to your doorstep and if that makes you a little bit nervous about buying something without trying it i get it i felt the same way but don't worry they have a 101 day trial period plus free shipping and returns so folks let GhostBed give you the sleep that you deserve and you're going to get 50 percent off when you do so go to ghostbed.com slash right that's w-r-i-g-h-t and 50 percent off will be yours but you got to use that website ghostbed.com slash right and by golly get ready because when that bed arrives you are going to be off to a great night's sleep i guarantee it welcome back ladies and gentlemen to the right report we've got a few more minutes with this amazing man buck sexton both he and i worked at the cia buck for the few minutes we have with you left you grew up in new york is that is that right yes sir in manhattan new york city that's right so what attracted you to the agency why'd you apply uh, so I, I consider myself a son of New York City and 9-11 uh, happened and I just decided, I remember I was walking around my campus and I thought, you know, I have no real, my grandfather was in World War II in the Navy uh, as an officer, but I had no military at all in my family or even really extended family other than that. Um, so I just, I, I thought maybe military would be something I'd want to do after 9-11, but I had, the honest truth is that uh, one of my favorite authors growing up and really an author that I um, say turned me on to reading as something I love doing instead of something that's like a, a chore for school yeah. uh, was Tom Clancy. And yeah. and so I would be um, not telling the truth if I, if I didn't truth if I didn't say that the Jack Ryan character in the Tom Clancy novels, I read about him and I was like, look, I'm not, you know, I didn't think of myself at the time. I was like a reasonably good athlete and stuff, but I was like, oh, I don't think I could do like, I don't think I could do the Marines or a SEAL or anything like that. Like that's a little, you know, I might, I might be uh, crying for mommy. Um, yeah. But, uh, but I can do sitting in an office thinking smart thoughts and like outsmarting the enemy. You know what I mean? That was sort of yeah. my thought Love process it. at the time. Uh, just so you walk in the first day. And so that's how I got myself in the agency. Yeah. So, so you get in the first day of the first week. Uh, is it what you thought it was going to be? I had to turn down the uh, James Bond soundtrack in my car when I would pull up <laughs> to the gates at uh, the George H.W. Bush uh, Intelligence yes. Center or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, da, 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 yes. Da, da, you know. Yeah. They're like, no, brother, it's the wrong place. The, the security the officers UK. look at you like, I don't right. think that's I don't think that's, that's what you're I, doing here, buddy. Yeah. Um, look, uh, you know, I the, uh, the, the agency was a, was great training for me, in, you know, intellectually. And, and it gave me a chance to spend 
I always said the best part about it for me, I mean, you know, you got to do cooler stuff. I did get to go abroad into some of the war zones, but even there I got to, you know, I was making a lot of lattes and writing reports and stuff like that. But uh, first, you know, the first step of every AG, agency uh, analyst mission is you got to find where you're going to put the cappuccino machine. You know that, right? Well, that's like amen. Official, yes. That's official And those policy. operators like me out in the field, we appreciated you for doing Yeah, that. you know what Thank I mean? You. Like you guys would come back in all dusty and like, oh man, they were shooting at us. I'm like, Missing well, a I've finger. Got a I've got a frothy latte here for you, buddy. Um, well, but yeah, I know it's, uh, uh, you know, I, I learned a lot of stuff, but my job was to read basically for eight hours a day. That's right. And people wonder like, how do you have enough to say about radio or international affairs? Like I showed up and I just read all day for years, years. Look, all it, I did was all I, all I had to do mostly. I mean, occasionally folks, I got to go to the farm and, and be a cool yeah. guy, but mostly I just read books. For folks that are aware of this on the analytical side of the house, which is Buck's side of the house, they are the, the, the folks who take all the puzzle pieces and put it all together and help the president or the National Security Council or Congress understand the big picture. They're knuckle-draggers like me who will go out into the field and, and collect the intel and work with the spies and the, 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 the dirty folks. But together, guys like Buck and guys like me, um, we really do incredible work together. So I'm going to have you come back, Buck, another time because we are running Only out of time. Only if your audience really enjoyed this. They have to tell you. They have to like write comments and say, I like the two CIA guys talking because yes. if it was you know, too, ma too many spooks on one episode, I don't know right. if we could... Uh, well, I'll tell you, we, we're going to do it because there's so much more to talk about. Certainly the current state of the agency. How do you fix it? You're going to be king for the day and uh, you're going to fix it when we come back. Plus, I want to know what you're working on future forward. I think you might be writing a book. We didn't want to talk about that as well. I'm going to come on when the book is published and sell it yes. to all of your audience because it is actually awesome. And I am actually writing it. Unlike everyone else in conservative media with a few exceptions. Amazing. Well, that's because you're an analyst and you're smart and your name is Buck and you're an awesome guy. And I appreciate Thank you, you, man. You're my friend. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me on the show. It was great to hang. Buck Saxton, ladies and gentlemen, we are so grateful for his time and he's going to be coming back. Have a great day. Thank you, sir. I am grateful for you. As always, I will see you tomorrow, God willing. Until then, I leave you with the creed of every good spy and every wise American. They're the words from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.